Hello, and welcome to After Hours with your host, Amanda Hamilton. After Hours is a platform for conversations with some of Canada's most dynamic creative entrepreneurs. Driven by open, honest conversations, we dig into what makes businesses survive and thrive, giving you tactical insights and takeaways to fuel success, create enduring rituals, and, well, crush it in life and business. Let's talk about eating strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Dare I even say for dessert? On today's podcast, we chat with strategy expert Allison Geskin about creating systems in your business that allow for growth and creativity. Tackling process, implementation, and how to measure it all, you are sure to have a few more tools in your entrepreneurial tool belt to level up your business and create meaningful connections with your clients. I am super stoked to have you here today. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you. I'm so proud of this new endeavor for you. I think it's just exactly what the world needs is more Amanda Hamilton. Oh, Allison, stop. And you know, I just, I need to take on your sexy Allison voice. I'm going to just ask all my (laughs) questions like this. Sounds so much better. Oh, stop. So you and I have something in common. We, we both know what it is. Strategy. Strategy is, is our number one skill set. So today, today we're talking about strategy, growth, systems, processes, you don't want me to make you cry because I cried on your podcast, but I maybe I'll I might have to throw in some just really deep hitting questions as we go through this. A thousand dollars if you can make me cry. Oh my gosh. I, I had this bet on my on my wedding day. Yeah. Um my my partner was like, if you don't cry, I will buy you a purse. And it's like, so I spent the entire day just being like, Don't cry, don't cry. And I didn't cry. And for the record, I never got the fucking purse. <laughs> that, might, that might explain that might explain why things are the way they are today. <laughs> so, okay, you you clearly eat strategy for breakfast, and I have this saying like you you eat it actually for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So mm. I want to know why why is strategy so important for businesses and brands from your perspective? Not only is it so important, I think that a lot of people have a hard time grasping what strategy is. And simply strategy is how you propel forward. It's about designing how you'll win in the period ahead for like startup scale-up, enterprise, for-profit, non-for-profit. There are different levels of strategy, corporate, operational, people, and team. But at the end of the day, it's all about how you're going to move forward. That's it. I, I like that definition because I, I agree with you. I mean, I didn't know that strategy was my number one skill set until I did the, what is it, the Clifton Strength Finder. And I was like, I read it and I was like, oh, Oh yeah, that is me, and and it, it felt very aligned with with who I was up until that point. I was like, I'm a creative. I have lots of ideas. You know, I'm a problem solver, and so I I like that. That strategy is just like, I mean, this this idea of like how you're moving forward. What are the steps you're taking for growth and to propel your business forward? But it makes sense for you, I think, because you think about the mechanics of what you do for a business and how you build things to move things forward. So you are a builder. And so at every step of a process on a project, you know, how are you moving the project forward? How are you building to the next step? That in itself is strategy. So you've always had it. You've just leaned into it more and more and more. Yeah. And I, I like it. Sex, sexy strategy. <laughs> good, good to have, right? I'm very strategic. 
you know, the, the funny thing about this is, is this happens for a lot of business owners is, you know, that the story about the, the shoemaker's son having no shoes. And so you'll go to a lot of interior designers houses and it's like, ah, it's the last project on the, on the list. And so I'm very curious as somebody who works with other people on strategy for their business, what is your strategy for your own business? Because a lot of us work in our business and we often put working on our business to the side. I mean, the amount of, the amount of graphic designers and website designers that have said to me, don't go to my website. It's shit. I'm like, but isn't that supposed to be your thing? No. Um, so, so how do you practice strategy in your own business? Uh, well, first it had to be beat into me. So <laughs> it, it had to. I mean, I can't take my own, if you can imagine the, the education and the training and the tools and the techniques and, you know, all the experiments and all the exercises that I've done with all my clients and I've never applied that to myself. But that mm-hmm. makes me, I think that makes me even more powerful because I understand what it's like to be a business owner and not have the time. You know how to do it. They don't really know. So for me, I don't do my own strategy. I hire strategists. I have a business coach. I have a I have a, I work with a strategic team in terms of helping me. I can't see my own forest through the trees. But what I have done, I think, throughout that process and learning that that was a big blind spot for myself. And yeah, I'm the shoemaker's daughter for sure. What's your strategy? Oh, I don't know. How can you be an expert in your field if you don't know your own strategy? But what I've done, I think, is applied the same approach that I do in as my approach to with clients. So I've kind of developed my own proprietary process. And so there's three really defined elements within that process. First is that discovery stage. Then it's that design, right? So where are you going? How do you want to get there? Let's put those strategic and tactical plans together. And then deploy. So that's where we green light go. So really what I love about it, it's it's elegant in its simplicity, but it takes really deep, complex situations and that are unique to that specific business environment and synthesizes it in a way that's really easy to grasp. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like if as a business owner, if it's not easy to grasp, it's going to sit on the side of your desk forever. Yeah, I, I like that you've got it's it's very similar. I was writing that down as you were saying the the discovery design and just deploy because that's exactly how we lead our projects with our clients is making yeah. it very simple for them to understand this is a three step process. Mm-hmm. There's three unique spaces. We're digging into the design or sorry, yeah, we're digging into the discovery, we're executing the design, and then we're actually executing the construction to see the whole vision come to life. And you it, you can use whatever words you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be investigate, integrate, whatever it is, but yep. you're making it super bite-sized so it doesn't become these overwhelming tasks that you can never tackle. I get overwhelmed with, you know, with all the things I want to do all the time. And I'm like, ah, where do I even start? So though, but within that really simple um, or simplistic framework, there's a lot of deep, significant work that happens, right? So that Mm -hmm. discovery process is that deep dive. It's that investigative work. You know, you're uncovering the why, which is like your purpose, the vision. What -hmm. do you see? What's that situational analysis? What do you think internally and seeing internally? How are you thinking, feeling, behaving? But then also that external. And then you do a bit of scenario planning. So I really think that this, uh, all elements are equally as important, but the discovery work is where you're going to do that really deep work because that's how you're going to future proof 
and make your decisions moving forward. The design mm. is where you've taken everything that you've learned and created a growth plan, really understanding where you are, where you want to go, and then how you're going to get there. But where most organizations fail, and I learned this myself, is in the deploy stage. And this is the most yeah. critical stage of the work, and that's the execution. What really differentiates truly great performers and organizations from those that are just you know, spinning their wheels is in execution. It's that knowing, yeah. doing gap. And so what I've created around this process is that after you've done your discovery work, it's really labor intensive. It's a deep dive. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you don't want to look at those numbers. Mm-hmm. But once you get past that, and once you get past into exploring possibilities about what can happen and what should happen based on the data, because your data is going to drive your strategic direction, I bolt myself on for at least a year so that as you're executing on those plans, and I've created execution cycles, I like to call them sprints, which I know you're yeah. very familiar with. So yeah. sprints are 12-week execution cycles, and there's four 12-week execution cycles in a year. And so what I love about this, and it works for Anything that you do. So think about we as human beings at the beginning of every year in January, we come up with this laundry list of things we want to do. I want to do this. 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 And we're bright eyed and bushy tailed and empowered. But how many of those goals actually get done? Yeah, I mean the the whole the whole notion of of you know we call them the New Year's resolutions and and then mm-hmm. you know what percentage of them actually get done? I, I there's 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 already so much I want to chat about here and and I think what you're touching on a little bit and and you know this about me to be true too is that you know you know in the EOS EOS system you know you talk about the visionary and the implementer right the person that comes up the ideas and the person that executes it. And yeah, how many really great, great ideas are left on the table because either business owners can't execute because that's not their skill set, or they haven't hired a team who can execute for them. I mean, that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that, you know, I'm, I'm the big ideas person and my team also has fantastic ideas, but they also are so good at executing. They know how to get a project from the 80% to the 100%, right? You know, you take mm-hmm. it so far and then somebody needs to tie up the loose ends and make sure that it gets done and then also follows up with it. It's not just about checking a box. It's about like, how is it continuing to help the business quarter after quarter? How does it evolve quarter after quarter? So if you ditch that annualized thinking and instead think of it on a vertical standpoint, Mm -hmm. so if you concentrate in one execution cycle, let's say two, three, four big, hairy, audacious goals, and within that execution cycle, that's all you concentrate on, and you rinse and repeat for three additional cycles, you will have achieved more in 12 weeks than most people do in 12 months. It's a really powerful system mm-hmm. that allows you to substantially increase your current results. It absolutely lowers your stress. It builds your confidence, not only you know who you are in terms of a business owner or a leader, but it builds confidence in the organization and the team. And it does it by not by working harder, but by working smarter. You know, it's something else came up for me that I'm curious. I'm, I'm going off script here, but uh, I... I'm curious what your thoughts are around if you are a strategic person, yep. would you say that inherently you are future forward thinking? Like you like I, I just think that, you know, there are some of us that that focus a lot on the past. There are those of us trying to live very much in the moment. But mm-hmm. how much of that, you know, if you again when you're talking about strategy, you do have to be future thinking in the sense of like what is happening, as you said, 
in these in these sprints down the road and how far ahead are you looking before you go okay but I don't want to lose you know the 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 purpose that I have in the in the current moment because there is a little bit of this thinking forward but then also recognizing what you need to do now to get there. You know, I think it depends upon your background. So if we take an accountant, for an example, born mm. and bred in terms of systems, data, data drives a strategic vision, they're really dealing in the here and now. And it's hard for them to have that futuristic approach to things mm-hmm. because they've conditioned, they've been conditioned and built that way to help mitigate risk. So I think that Strategy doesn't happen for everybody. Can it happen for everybody? Yes. But does strategy have to mean that you're a futuristic thinking, that you have to think, you know, very like esoteric and work in those gray Mm. areas? No, not at all. You can be incredibly strategic being an accountant. And I'm sorry to pick on any accountants that are listening right now. (laughs) You are well needed. You are well needed and well valued in our world. So don't get me wrong. I love my accountants. I've learned learned to love that process of my business. It helps to have really great accountants. So I think it is, again, if you think about the baseline of strategy, and it's just simply how you propel yourself forward, do you have to be a visionary or not? I would say it depends upon the context. You're, you're bringing up another thing that I want to unpack, because I think you and I have been through this process together where, you know, and, and I still struggle with this. It's like, what does the next five to 10 years of your life look like? What are, what are the things that you want? How do you, how do you plant seeds now to sort of future grow mm-hmm. that? And I think if there's anything that a lot of us have realized from COVID is that the businesses that were um, able to sort of continue to move forward were able, were quite agile. They were will, they were able to pivot a lot of them. And so one of the things that I've learned is really, you know, technology is changing so quickly. Business changes so quickly. Our access to information changes so quickly. You know, I'm now going, I, I actually only care about the next, three months or six months or next year, or maybe like year to to three years, Mm -hmm. gone are the days of where we planned our businesses for the next five to 10 years, because there's, there's just so much that changes on a day-to-day basis. And so I guess, how do you keep your strategy? Because I think a lot of people went into COVID with the strategy, like here were my OKRs for the next year. And then all this went to shit, right? You know, it's like, you still have your things that you, you continue to work on, but but if you build something that is so tight, mm-hmm. the framework is so tight, you can't move quickly enough to make sure that you can propel your business forward. So what are you seeing as a trend in terms of how people are focusing on these sort of timelines or 12-week periods? You know, is it, is it, is it one 12-week period? How far in the future are you planning right now? You know, I think that the farther you go out, the more opaque things become. So if you said, you know, what does AHID look like in five years? You might have some semblance of an idea. You might want to think, what is it you want to have for the organization? What is it kind of you want to be for that organization? Mm. What do you want to kind of do? And that's kind of your North Star, right? So, but the planning cycles that you have are only a year. And because you're built in those execution cycles, you're in this constant rigorous approach to always checking and balancing, checking and balancing. So you're acting in real time and you're being able to pivot as you go. If you lock yourself Mm. into this rigidity of this is what we're going to look like, it allows for no flexibility, for no creativity. And now and now more and more creativity is important. So the farther out you project, the more opaque it must be. Yeah, I, I I repeat you all the time to everyone. I oh one God, of the biggest I'm so lessons. sorry. <laughs> no, it's so good. No, one I'm of, sorry. 
I, 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 and I give you credit every single time. Well, maybe, maybe like 70% of the time, but it, it, and maybe you didn't even coin it, but we'll, we'll give you credit anyways. But you, I, one of the biggest things that I took away when we were working together is flexibility within the framework, right? Yeah. You yeah, create this framework. Yeah. And you're like, as you said, it's sort of opaque, but there was this, somebody posted on Instagram the other day, um, a James Clear quote. And I, I, I'm assuming it was from Atomic Habits, which is a fantastic book, but it said, you know, something along the lines of what are you doing today that supports your vision of tomorrow or a year from now or five year, years from now? Like, are your, are the, are the actions you're taking consistent with, with what you want? And I think there's this idea of like aligning your decisions to your core values. I was sitting on a, a financial feminism talk with the 51 and, and Shelly Kuypers. And that's what they were talking about is that your financial decisions should be aligned to your core values. And I had never, I had never really thought about that in terms of like, you know, where I'm spending my money, is it aligned with my core values? Like what businesses am I supporting? And is it aligned to my core values? So yeah, I just, I just go back to that a little bit in terms of what you're talking about with this idea of like the decisions and the plans that you're making for the future how do they align with where you ultimately want to go? Well, and if you remember the, you know, the the work that we did at the very beginning, and one of the things that I'm a big proponent at is that when you're looking at building strategy, you have to look at both your personal aspirations as well as your corporate. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know, so I'll never forget this. I had a client come to me and say, you know, Allison, I just want to live on an island. I just want to own a private island in five years from now. Great. What's your business model? So you're personal vision is not matching your corporate vision if you're building one cent buttons. So how do we bring alignment and attunement together? It's really important Mm -hmm. to bring alignment and attunement of what it is personally you want to have and do and be and to match that with your corporation. Because when you have alignment, then failure happens. And so that becomes the basis of the work that we Mm -hmm. do in the discovery that we did with you. I and I can I can a pers- personally attest to the success of that because I remember being in a session with Allison for everyone who's mm-hmm. listening and telling her I got to the point where we were talking about business we were talking about personal and as Allison knows I have several businesses on the go and they all sort of integrate under this brand and I said to her at one point it's all about the book all my decisions are about the book it's about writing the book and mm-hmm. you know sure enough you know this year my book's coming out in October. I, I had to keep going back to what were the decisions? What was my personal strategy and my business strategy to make the thing that was really important to me happen? Mm-hmm. So thank you, Allison. Stop. You did it. You did all the work. I just guided uh, it. That's all. Yeah, I know. We had to make so sure that what was that guiding light? And for you, that was that book. And so we had to make sure that everything that you were doing was an entombment and aligned with that. Were you making the right decisions? That was your measuring stick. And I mm-hmm. just want to say that I absolutely teased you like heck in making you a sparkly measuring stick in which you can measure all of your decisions from she did not allow me because, you know, she's an interior designer. You, you did make me, you, you did make me this awful disco ball, though, that still sits on my uh, shelf in our new office. I think what did the disco wrote, ball say? You are awesome. Yes, you because you are so good. Okay, okay. So Allison, as you can see, is very good at at pumping my tires. But you know, where, where, where does someone start? So let's say I am new to business, I'm running a business, I got no idea what strategy is. Is there is there a point in time where it makes sense to really focus on strategy? Is that a 
pre-launch? Is that a like, let's get our feet wet and figure out our industry first? When do we come in? When do we deploy these strategies? And I guess, what are some of the tools that you've used so that people can make this process a little bit easier? Yeah, absolutely. You need to get super clear. Where are Mm -hmm. you? Where do you want to be? Before you can even figure out how you're going to get there, information is power. Invest in that discovery work. Get that full 360 scope in your business, in your industry. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are people thinking, feeling, seeing, doing? Where are Mm -hmm. you vulnerable? It's a eyes wide open approach because get like, I don't even know what the stats are now. I'm afraid to even look, but certainly before COVID, I mean, the odds were already against businesses, right? 85% of businesses before COVID would not last into five years. What? Yeah. 85% Mm -hmm. of us? Unbelievable. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your business. You owe it to your family and you owe it to your future to do the work before you proceed. It is not enough to have a great idea. Otherwise, you're going to fail miserably. And I'm sorry, but failure is not always an option. If you you know that you could set yourself up for success and even greater success if you've done that investigative pre-work before you get into that design, if you know where your strengths are, if you know where those weaknesses are, if you know what other people are thinking, feeling, doing about your idea or where you want it to go, if you develop those focus groups, because it's never about what you think, it's always about what everybody else thinks because they're going to be your Mm -hmm. You know, I believe that everyone should and can win at life. And so yeah. why not why not move towards that in that way? So so speaking of the businesses that do succeed mm-hmm. and and that do grow, do you think that there are some sort of secret weapons or given all of the entrepreneurs and people that you have worked with, do you see a similar trend between all of your clients in terms of, you know, the habits, the rituals, the skill set mm-hmm. that they have to run um, you know, a successful business. Like we, everybody knows the books, like the the seven habits of successful people, and like you know these books that come out about like what what successful people have in common. But I mean, from a from a grassroots level, in terms of you working really closely and intimately, what what have you seen in your clients? Certainly, and I'm a big proponent in, in, into this, and I'm moving more and more into this space. But uh, I think that the most significant and the most impactful competitive advantage any business has is its people, period. Yeah, yeah. Period. And so, you know, case in point. So uh, I've been privileged to see some of the most brilliant strategies that I, that has the earth has ever created, ever. And if we look back and if we kind of do the research to find out why those strategies, even though they were brilliant on paper, failed, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, it's because of the people piece. They forget it. I, yeah, I, uh, I can, I can definitely attest to that as well because I, I've been focusing on this in the last year is putting the right people in the right seats. And man, does it make a big difference to your business when you figure out where the gaps are in your yep. business and you hire specifically? Like you find these amazing people that you go. It's not necessarily about filling a role. It's about fulfilling sort of. Um, Maybe something that's greater than that. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it's like, it's not just team, like it's team fit. It's yep. the job description. It's about what is their individual skill set? How do they challenge the team? You know, how do they support the team? 
it's, you know, hiring to make sure that, you know, your team and your people are supporting your vision is no easy task. So get this, would it surprise you to learn that in a recent global study, it unveiled that 85, 85, so 85% of workers feel that they're not living up to their full potential. Hmm. 85%. That's very high. 75% of organizations don't link employees to their strategy. 85% of business owners and managers and leaders spend less than one hour a month on strategy. 95% of your typical workforce have no idea what the strategy is. They have no idea where the organization's going. And 60% of organizations don't link their strategy to budget. You're touching on so many things here that I, I joined the entrepreneurs organization a couple of years ago, and it's been it's been so valuable. You know, I had been running a business at that point for, you know, nine, nine, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the amount of tools and I and I want to kind of transition into talking a little bit about tools, because I, I want to make sure people have some really valuable takeaways. I know you have really incredible takeaways in terms of tools and resources. Mm. But the types of things that came across my desk that I had never heard about despite being, you know, a relatively successful business owner. And I think people just don't know what they don't know. You know, as an example, you know, people may or may not have heard of EOS. I mentioned that earlier. Um, You know, you may not have heard of some of the terminology around OKRs and KPIs. I mean, it's just they're fancy names for goals, but there are systems to implement implement those things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Rockefeller habits, things like that, where we're, where, as you said, you're tying you're trying, you're taking your strategy as the, is the sort of like the key point and you're building everything from there. So how do we, how do we tie performance metrics? How do we tie, you know, an NPS score? How do we tie anything about the employee's experience to the success of the company and vice versa? Because once those two things are integrated, um, your team members have a much greater impact on the business. And they also, like you said, feel like they're living up to their potential. You're providing them with opportunities to really see the bottom line in a business mm-hmm. grow. And and I do want to talk about growth a bit too. I, I wonder, you know, are business owners just afraid of sharing that information? No. You know, I find when you say all those fancy acronyms, it's scary to people. Yeah. Because then they yeah. do the research and they're like, well, this feels really foreign to me. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like that. What is an OKR? And like, okay, let's try to shoehorn ourselves into this model or <laughs> let's try to, let's try this. And so it's not a point about trying to be what Nike did or what Adidas did or what McDonald's mm-hmm. did or what anybody else did. It's about leaning into what makes you work for you. So OKRs, KPIs, Smart, Brain, Reset, Oscar, all of those tools. The point is, is having a rigorous approach to monitoring mm-hmm. and evaluating how you go about your business. And that can be yeah. done sticky notes, that could be done on a whiteboard, that could be 500 page documents, it could be a spreadsheet, it could be whatever makes sense for you in your business. Don't try to be anything else. Take a little piece of what you really like from everything else and create your own, no matter how you do it, is that you have an approach. Mm-hmm. To always monitor and evaluate what you're doing. Have those checks and yeah. balances. So what let's talk about that. What are some of those checks and balances? I know for me as a as a business owner, I I've and I agree with you 100%. I think there are a lot of books that that you can read on, you know, business practices, different things you can implement, different models, 
Mm-hmm. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to take little nuggets from each of those books and figure out what works best for you. Mm-hmm. I have some systems in place that work for me in terms of like my um, sort of meeting rhythms and sort of the technology we use in the studio that I find useful for our industry. But isn't it true, though, that you have done exactly kind of what we're talking about, which is you've done the research, you've found out what really mm-hmm. works best for Amanda Hamilton and for Amanda Hamilton's team, and then yeah. taken that and applied that. You didn't try to shove, you know, a, a certain way of being. I guess it's almost like, you know, typecasting or, you know, trying to mm-hmm. put a round square into like a, a, a circle peg, whatever that saying is. But you found yeah. systems that were essential to your organization again not anybody mm-hmm. else's organization but essential to you that improved those big those business functions that you could add new people and you could add new products you could grow your revenue you could improve your profit margins and you could kind of escape your business taking hello well-deserved holidays remember that <laughs> conversation remember also remember when you could take well-deserved holidays Yes. Well, and also potentially exiting your organization one day, mm-hmm. right? Having those systems are going to be really important, but it's got to be about finding the right systems that work for you. I've seen so many organizations, and I'm sorry, but we don't have time to waste. You don't have time to, to try for a year. Well, we're just going to keep trying it. We're just going to keep trying it. We're just going to keep, if, and you already know it feels foreign to you within the first weeks of the first couple mm-hmm. of weeks of deploying it. You have to find what works best for you. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like a hybrid model. And I think, yeah, going back to the idea of just taking the nuggets from the information you've received and figuring out how to make it work. And then I think also sometimes it's just optically how it's presented, what you're calling it. I was chatting about this on the weekend with a couple of um, female entrepreneurs. And, you know, one of them was not feeling super comfortable, like she's been, you know, deploying EOS in her business. And mm-hmm. we started debating about EOS and going, you know, it was developed years and years and years ago by, you know, a white man, you know, like, is this, you know, she has, she has an inherently feminine business. And there was, there was elements of it that just didn't feel right for her. And what we said, we were like, you know, take what you can from it. The business, what they're teaching you is still valuable, but make it your own, whatever it is that isn't resonating with you. The information about how to tie, you know, employees to profit and employees to performance and things like that to motivate people or whatever, there's still some value there, perhaps, but maybe that's not how you want to go about it. Maybe you want to approach your business in a really different way. Well, I think the essence is, and I just kind of want to go back to your comment about why, why the fact that someone developed it was a white man. I don't know why color came into it or, or gender came into it, which is very interesting and we could probably talk about that forever, but systems are going to be essential to your organizations because without systems, you do not own the business. You are the business. That means if you mm-hmm. want to double your revenue, if you want to double your work hours, right? You're just wor- you're, the business. You're working for the business. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about you know I I love I love being able to leave people with with some, you know, really tactical approaches here. And yep. we've talked, we've talked about strategy. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the tools that, y- that you use with some of your clients and, you know, how, how you help them track success or what systems, you know, you have used with them with, with, you know, in terms of deploying strategy, is there, is there some takeaways on your end that you think have been really successful just based on your experience? 
sure. Uh, I think that, you know, that discovery, design, deploy sort of framework, having freedom within that framework, really creating a roadmap in terms of knowing where you are, where you want to go, and then figuring out how you're going to get there. But I think in terms of systems, I think the best approach for a system, if you're looking at developing a system or implementing a system, is to really think about it in terms of bottlenecks. So, which is sometimes really harder to have to wrap your head around than you think, because oftentimes the bottleneck is your is me. We yeah. we joke about this in the office all the time. I'm like, I know I'm bottlenecking this, and but what's so great about acknowledging it is you go, there's the problem, there's the thing we need to put up on the whiteboard. How do we fix this yeah. bottleneck? So, how you do that is you look at each function or role within your business. So, what does it do? How does it do it? What's working? What's not? Simple, right? Simple. So let's take something like um, chasing unpaid invoices. <laughs> Wouldn't everyone yeah. not like to do that in business? <laughs> so one of the best tools you can do and have in you know, building business systems is having a checklist. Mm. And they're really easy to create and follow and track. So once you've kind of created a checklist of the functions, you can map out how to best perform them. If you were tired of chasing money and you wanted to stop mm -hmm. chasing money, then perhaps a system could look as simple as this. You would, step one, you would run an accounts receivable report. Step two, maybe it's any invoices, seven to 13 days you know, overdue, you send them a friendly reminder. Step three, mm -hmm. for any invoices that are 14 to 27 days, you call the customer. Step four, any invoices, you know, that are 27 days overdue, then you yourself as owner have to call them or you send them to a collection agency. It, again, that's just an example, but you see how you can take a really sticky, uncomfortable situation and create a solution that offers not only consistency and automation, but also some freedom. So once you have systems in place, you can begin to scale. I think the other thing that I really love about this is that it actually empowers your team, right? They've got this four-step process and you do not need to get involved in it. You don't need to bottleneck the process. They can just do it on their own. And it just becomes a process that's embedded in your workflow. Mm -hmm. And the whole entire point about having a workflow is that so that work flows. I, I kind of want to ask you if you have a system that you've ever um, recommended to a client where they push back but then eventually implemented it and it was wildly successful. Is there anything that comes to mind? I don't think I see a lot of this that while I might have this huge, you know, repertoire of like systems and methodologies and best practices and insights and state of the art tools and all this stuff to lean into, I don't work from a one size fits all approach. And quite frankly, anyone who does is completely missing the mark. But every person in every organization is so unique into themselves. What may work for one isn't going to work for the other. So for me, the key is customization, taking mm -hmm. the most relevant elements of a particular system and creating something that works for that situation, for that environment, for that client. You know, otherwise you're setting yourself up for failure. So, but I think what's made my client's journey successful is that we found the right mix of approaches and created a path that was right for them from day one, right? The fact that you've done the heavy lifting in discovery, the fact that you've done the heavy lifting in design, you know, mm -hmm. coupled with that deployment stage and having that arm in arm support in with that execution, I really 
don't see a lot of it because we can have real time application to fix what's working and what's not all the yeah. way through. So have I had an example of a system that I gave to a client and they pushed back and then worked later and they're killing it? No, I think I've been able to miss that step because they go right to killing it. <laughs> so you're very good at choosing your clients then I would say. Well, or we, we, chose, you. we chose each other, did we not? We chose each other. It was, it was just that gut feeling. I was like, I know that you're right for me. Um, <laughs> sucker, <laughs> sucker. As one final last question is, I'd love to know from your standpoint, you know, you and I are both very passionate about strategy and I can think about so many moments where really having a clear vision has resulted in, in success yeah. um, for both myself and my team. And I'd love for you to share with everyone maybe an example where, you know, strategy in your own business, you're, you're also an entrepreneur. Um, you're also, you know, uh, made, made a transition out of, you know, working for corporations and not-for-profit. And, and so now you're, you're on your own doing your own thing. Where have you found that strategy or a decision in your strategy has been the most rewarding and the most <laughs> successful for you? Oh, this is hands down the easiest. I am not perfect. I cannot do everything. That was a hard lesson for me. That mm. strategy developed into me really amassing an incredible team of people much smarter than I am in their own respective fields to help me build to where I am today. So that was, mm -hmm. I think, the best strategy and the best, the hardest learning lesson was, of course, you go into business, you think that you can do everything, you have all of the answers and you don't. But also, yeah. though, when you're starting a business, and you've probably done it for a long time, Amanda, where you were the jack of all trades, you probably clean toilets too. I sure have. I remember cleaning toilets probably about four or five years ago when we had an event at offsite somewhere. And I was like, I can't send people into these bathrooms looking like this. And I did clean oh, toilets. Totally. I but, think I did a toilet in my office actually a couple of years. <laughs> but really understanding, you know, your own strengths and really understanding that you can't do it all by yourself. And to find really smart people that are much smarter than you that can be incredible assets to mm -hmm. you that allows so in by doing that and deploying that strategy which was understanding that I can't do it myself understanding that I need help building my business that I'm going to go to those experts and work that expert to expert model has allowed me to do and deep dive into what I do best which is working with clients I do not want to be an online marketer you do not want me doing my taxes you do not want me oh no me and CRA I do never want to talk to them <laughs> if you're listening CRA you're great but don't ever phone me because you're Did scary you say the CRA is great come on well in case they're listening <laughs> I, I gotta be, you know, we, we do that. We, we create our own roadblocks of thinking, well, we can do it, but we're not. So when you lean into only doing what you do best, only for me, it's working with clients Yeah, and I, everything else is parsed out for me and I have no, it allows me just to seek and give fulfillment all day long. Mm. That's the best strategy that I've ever deployed for my business. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I've been through that too. And it's not so bad to try to do all the things that you can realize what you aren't great at. And so you can understand how it works. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're right, putting your energy 
um, into your skill set and really honing in on that versus trying to do it all. I mean, we we employ a number of different um, of consultants to support us where we don't feel like there's value in having that directly in-house. And it's been amazing. And you just get so many different perspectives, too, just by working with different people in the industries. But also, though, there's also that other flip side. And so for those that are just starting out that don't have necessarily the luxury of doing that, I I just want to put some perspective around that. So this was my deciding moment that I couldn't do it all. So I charge out at a certain certain dollar figure an hour, which is, you know, pretty hefty. So the very first time that I had to do GST, I spent seven hours doing GST. iPhone CRA oh my God, 10 times. And by the last time I phoned them, I'm like, am I going to be red flagged? Like, is this a problem? And why do I owe you a million dollars? Because I certainly have not made a million dollars. Took me seven hours. Yeah. My bookkeeper, however, once I was like, I dropped so many F-bombs. This is ridiculous. I hate this. So seven hours of my time. Yeah. My bookkeeper, who is extremely proficient and very knowledgeable, filled out my GST in less than 35 minutes. Exactly. Her cost, her value to that was nominal versus the seven hours of what I was worth doing a task that I was not equipped to do. So when people are in that position to say, well, I'm kind of at that place, but I need to keep it closer to me because I need to keep, you know, I'm conscious of, of my cost control. I really need you to look at what your cost control is and how much you value your own time versus hiring somebody else out, right? Yeah. So I lost, you know, $2,000 in my day versus spending $65 for my bookkeeper to do it. What, what's, what's the risk? What's the reward? And that mm-hmm. was my key defining moment to make the shift. So for those of you out there that are in that exact position in terms of, um, I, I kind of want to do this, but I'm not there yet. And it's a really big investment. You need to understand what your time is worth and where it is best aligned and valued. If you're great at BD and if you're great about bringing in business, you lean into that. Hire everything else out. I agree 100%. It does, like you said, it does take some time to get there, especially when you're first starting out. So you will, know, you will know that you will know that moment. Um, Allison, where do we, first of all, are you, are you taking on new clients and where do people find you if you are, and even if you're not, where do people find you to reach out? Oh my gosh. I'm everywhere. Just Google me. (laughs) Allison Deskin, Art of Strategy. Just Google her. She's all over the internet. She's, she broke the internet. No, 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 no. I'm very, I'm very easy to find. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and energy. I always I always enjoy our conversations. Allison has a profound way of making you feel so incredibly great about yourself. Um, I always, I have always left our conversations being like, "Yeah, I got this. I'm gonna, you I'm gonna." You got that. this. You <laughs> still got this. Everyone can and should win at life. Absolutely, you got this. You're in control of your own destiny. It's amazing, and it's a, such a privilege to be on the sidelines with my pom poms cheering you along the way. Oh, thanks, Allison. Love mm-hmm. you. Love you more. <laughs> it's a fight now. We're on. I win. I think it's my turn to win. As always, thank you so much for joining us today on the After Hours podcast. If you want to keep up to date with all of our crazy adventures or subscribe to the podcast, feel free to check us out at amandahamilton.ca.